One of the things that I really enjoy doing, if you know me, you will know that I like playing games. So much so that I probably kept Stell and Pete up a bit longer than they wanted to on Friday night playing games. And even yesterday, I made my whole family play a new game um, because I really enjoy playing games. So we are going to play a game today. So this is the game we're going to play. Okay, this game is called How Well Do You Know Tanya Patterson? Now, for those who don't know, I am Tanya Patterson and this game is all about me. So I'm going to ask three people from the audience being randomly chosen to see who knows Tanya Patterson the best. So wait on the edge of your seats to be called. The first person to be called is Matthew Patterson. Come on down. The next name that is randomly, randomly chosen is Daniel Patterson. Come on down. The next person to be randomly called is Catherine Patterson. Come on down. Welcome to How Well Do You Know Tanya Patterson. So in this game, these three randomly chosen contestants, we're going to see who knows Tanya Patterson best. This is how the game is played. I am going to show you a picture. I am going to ask a question about that picture. If you think you know the answer, shake. The first person to shake gets to answer the question. If you get the question correct, you get a point. Okay, you ready? Which kinder did Tanya Patterson go to? I thought this was one that Matt would get. On top of the hill. Boom, time enough, enough time. No, sorry. No, I'll just tell you. It was called Nara Preschool. So there you go, Nara Preschool, the kindergarten that I went to. Okay, ready for the next one. So no points. What is this a picture of? Catherine. Correct. So this is the block of where our house now is before it was there. Okay, where was this picture taken? Matthew. Fantastic, yes. We go away every cup weekend at Port Longsdale. Okay, so one point to Matt and another point to Catherine for the extra information. So two points to Catherine, one for Matt and zero to Daniel. Daniel, you need to catch up. Okay. Can anybody name, name as many people as you can in this picture? Go, Catherine. Fantastic. Well done. These are... Matt's siblings and cousins and friends and whatever that joined the band together. What is this a picture of? Catherine. So this is the first ever arena cup that gets held every Good Friday where everybody tries to beat my brother run around the overall number of times and Daniel's won every three years so far. Who can name the people they see in this picture? Matthew. Fantastic. Well done. Points to Matt. Now, this question. So there's my mum and Catherine being little, and then there's a somebody dressed up as somebody. What is he dressed up as? Daniel. Dinosaur Ben. Dinosaur Ben. This is Catherine. Daniel's Dinosaur Ben costume. Where was this picture taken, Catherine? Fantastic. Where was this picture taken? Matt. Fantastic. We had just been on a long flight. We're trying to get the kids to go to sleep. So how well do you know Tanya Patterson? The winner of the first ever How Well Do You Know Tanya Patterson goes to Catherine Grace Patterson. You guys can all sit down now. There was a point to all that. And the point wasn't for me to be the centre of the attention because I actually 
would prefer not to be. The whole point is, how well do you know people? And isn't it interesting to know how well you think you know someone compared to how well you know someone? So all those things, my guess is Kelly was actually at the very first Arena Cup. So you may have picked that one. She did pick that one. But most of you would have no idea what we were talking about and who those people were and how they related to anything. But I thought Matt was going to win, but he didn't. Um, but Daniel, it would, it would make sense that Daniel and Catherine and Matt are the people that would know me the best. Maybe, depending on what questions I asked, my siblings or my parents would know me better. But overall, it's normally the people that are closest to you that know you the best. The thing we're going to look at today is not actually how do you know people the best, but how well do you actually know Jesus Christ? Because if you're talking about the people who are closest to you know you the best, how close you are to Jesus means that you should actually know him really well. And we're not going to do a similar thing on Jesus where we show pictures and do a quiz on how well we know Jesus. Even though this week, Catherine's been going to Beaconsfield Baptist, well, last week, um, they had a holiday program from like 9 to 12 every morning. And the first morning, Catherine comes up with this camera that she's made and she's like, oh, mum, 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 this is the camera I made. And on the picture is a picture of Peter baptising Jesus. And I went, Peter baptising Jesus? He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. We heard about the story of how Peter baptised Jesus when he walked on earth. And I said, are you sure they said Peter baptised Jesus? And she goes, yeah, 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 I'm, I'm sure they said Peter. And I said, it wasn't Peter, it was John. She's like, oh, yeah, 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 it was John. Peter's the Bible verse we're learning. And she got the two names confused. But how well do you actually know Jesus? That's the question that we want to look at today. Because we as a leadership have decided that what we want to do actually 18 weeks, is look at Jesus. Because the more that we know Jesus, the more closer we can be and the more that we will know how to follow him. Because when I say something, the people that know the context best are the people that know me the best. And it's the same with Jesus. The more that we know Jesus, the more that we can understand what he is saying, what he wants us to do, and how we can actually bring his kingdom to earth. And we're going to do that through a book, and the book is Mark. So what we're going to do is spend 18 weeks, this week being the first week, looking at the book of Mark. And you may think, boy, 18 weeks, that's a long time. It's just like coming to church for 18 weeks and there's different topics. We're all just going to be talking about the same person, Jesus, but different things about his life. And hopefully by the end of it, we will all be able to say, boy, I know Jesus so much better because I've actually spent some time looking closely at who he is and what he did when he walked on earth. And that is our desire when we go through Mark. But the first thing that we need to find out about Mark is actually who wrote Mark. Who thinks they know who, who wrote Mark? Ooh, that is a really good answer. Did anybody hear the answer that Lola gave? She said Peter. Now, Peter didn't, but I'll get back in a minute as to why that is actually true, even though it's not true. <laughs> Does anybody else want to have a guess of who wrote Mark? Mark, yeah, but his actually name was John Mark. Now, the reason my guess is that they, they called the book of Mark Mark and not John is because if you think of the Gospels, there's already a John. But that's just my guess. That's not like evidence. Because the annoying thing that Mark did not do is do what Paul does a lot, and he did not say at the beginning of the book, I, John Mark, who can tell you all these things about me, are writing this book. There's actually no record in the book itself of who wrote it, but everybody pretty much agrees that John Mark is the person who wrote the book Mark. So who is John Mark? 
Because if we know who John Mark is and some of the things about this book and why he wrote it, it's going to help us to understand the book better. So he was not one of the 12 disciples. So that's really important to know, okay? But people think John Mark was a young man at the Garden of Gethsemane during the betrayal of Jesus. Now, who has a Bible with them that wants to look up Mark 14, 51 and 52 and read it aloud for us? There was a young man following along behind, clothed only in a linen nightshirt. When a mob tried to grab him, they tore off his clothes, but he escaped and ran away naked. Cool. So it's not in any of the other Gospels. It's not really that important. People assume that the reason that that is in the book of Mark is because Mark's like, hey, I'm part of this story and I'm just going to put myself in there a bit just to show that, hey, I'm here. But I'm not going to name myself because who wants to say, I myself am naked running through the town? Not the thing that you really want to say. That's just my, again, my summation of it. John Mark was actually the cousin of Barnabas. How cool is that? I love Barnabas. And the son of Mary who provided a meeting place for the early Christians. So in Acts, all the Christians are gathering together and the person is called Mary and it's actually John Mark's mother. So John Mark was around the disciples a lot. He actually accompanied Barnabas and Paul on their first missionary journey, but he left the trip early. So Barnabas and Paul are going out to preach the gospel. John Mark comes along to help them, but people think he either got homesick or there's lots of different reasons as to why they think he left. But what we know is that he didn't finish the trip. He actually went home. And so because of that, Barnabas and Paul are about to go it again. And Barnabas wants to take John Mark again with them and says, hey, let's bring John Mark with us. But Paul doesn't like the idea. He goes, nah, he left early. This is my wording. He can't be trusted. We don't know if he's going to leave again. I'm not going to take, I don't want John Mark. And Barnabas and Paul actually had a split because of it. So it's all Mark's fault, not really. But like Barnabas took John Mark and Paul took Silas um, and they went their separate ways. But later on in other books of the Bible, John Mark is actually called, called a co-worker who's helpful to his ministry. That's what Paul says. So we know that no matter what happened there, John Mark and Paul became like worked together again and Paul actually really saw the benefit of John Mark and what he did. And also, this is where Peter comes in, Lola, because there's evidence that John Mark shared a special relationship with Peter and Peter called him his son. Because John Mark is actually said to be a very close friend of Peter, and the book of Mark is actually seen as a record of what Peter told Mark. So that's why Peter is sort of right, because Peter didn't write it, but it is known that it's actually Peter's recollection of Jesus' life that you're looking at in the book of Mark. 1 Peter 5.13, Peter's writing and saying, hey, say hi to this person and say hi to this person, and also my son Mark sends greetings to those people. But that's not actually his son. That's just like the kind of relationship he has. So Mark is not Peter's son. It's more just he's like a son to me. So this bishop who was around when some of the disciples were still alive wrote this about the book of Mark. Mark became Peter's interpreter and wrote accurately all that he remembered not indeed in order of the things said and done by the Lord. And so it's because of what this bishop says that people go, yeah, it's definitely Mark writing what Peter had to say. 
And if you think of the 12 disciples, Peter is really one of the closest of the 12. And so to get a record of what Peter actually thought and remembered and felt is a really, really great thing for us to be able to read so many thousands of years later. So this is about the Gospel of Mark. So now we know who wrote it. So who wrote the book of Mark? John Mark. So Mark is actually the first of the four Gospels written. But he didn't write it till like 65 years after the birth of Jesus. Because this is what they think happened. The disciples and all the followers of Jesus, they actually believed that Jesus was going to return soon. So they were all working and telling people and going about doing their thing, thinking Jesus is going to return in our lifetime, Jesus is going to return in our lifetime. And then as years went on, they went, oh, he's not coming so soon. Maybe we need to write down some of the things we know about Jesus so others can have an accurate record of what's going on here. And so that's why they think Mark wrote Peter's recollections. And then after that, Matthew, Luke, and John were written. But Mark was actually the first one, the first of the four Gospels that written, even though it's a second in the New Testament. So Mark has 16 chapters, 578 verses, and 17,171 words. I did not count them. But if you'd like to and see if what I'm reading down is correct, go for it. But Mark is actually the shortest of the four Gospels. So are you pleased that we chose Mark and didn't choose one of the further ones um, to look at? So actually, Mark was written to a Gentile audience. The reason that we know this is in the book of Mark, there's a lot of times where Mark explains things that Jewish people would already know. He explains rituals, he explains words, he explains what's going on. So we know that it was actually Gentiles, so non-Jewish people, that's pretty much what Gentiles mean, anybody that's not Jewish, that Mark is writing to. And nearly 90% of Mark's content is found in Matthew. And about 50% of what's in Mark is found in Luke. And this is what is actually called the Synoptic Gospels. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke is called the Synoptic Gospels. And this is what they think happened. As I said before, Mark was written first. And so Matthew read what Mark wrote and went, oh, that's really good. I've got some other things I want to add. So he took what Mark said because what Mark said was true and added his own remembrance and things that he thought was important. And he actually wrote it to a different audience, Matthew did. So a different group of people. He goes, oh, I want to write what I know about Jesus so that you can remember too. And Luke did the same. At the beginning of Luke, he says, I've gathered, this is Tanya's words, not the Bible, I've gathered what other people have said about Jesus and I'm going to make my own account, Luke. Luke is going to make his own account of what I know to be true so that you, Theophilus, what you're hearing about Jesus actually really happened. Does that make sense? Now, if all that is confusing, don't worry because Jelly Tellies has a good way of explaining things. Mark wasn't one of Jesus' disciples, his 12 followers. He was a good friend of the disciple Peter, though, and we believe the Gospel of Mark is his record of all the stories Peter told him about Jesus. Now, Matthew was one of Jesus' disciples, and he wanted to add to the stories in Mark's book with more stuff that he remembered. 90% of Mark's stories show up in Matthew, plus stories about Jesus' birth and great teaching like the Sermon on the Mount. Then comes Luke, 
Luke was a very bright guy. We think he was a doctor who set about writing his gospel like he was a historian. He used about half of Mark's stories, but then talked to eyewitnesses and other people who had known Jesus to add even more. Luke was such a good historian that he went on to write the history of the early church, the book we call the Acts of the Apostles. Between the book of Luke and the book of Acts, Luke wrote a quarter of the entire New Testament. Wow, so there's a lot that's the same in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. That's why we call them the Synoptic Gospels. Uh, what's that mean? The prefix S-Y-N means the same. Optic means to see, so synoptic means to see the same way. The three synoptic gospels see the life of Jesus the same way. Now maybe I should have just played that in the first before explaining it all to you, but that is the Jelly Telly's version of what I've hopefully explained to you well enough. So another thing that's really interesting about the book of Mark is actually the pace of it. The book of Mark actually doesn't have anything about the life of Jesus. It starts pretty much straight away about Jesus being baptized. And this Greek word is translated straight away immediately, is found no less than 40 times in Mark's gospel. So if we, we're going to have a quick look at the ESV first chapter of Mark, and I've highlighted every time they use the word immediately. So I want you to have a count and see how many immediately you've counted just in the first chapter alone, okay? Okay, so 45 verses in the first chapter of Mark. How many immediately did you see highlighted? Nine. So that's just in the first chapter, and that's the ESV version. Depending on what version you look at, they use slightly different words, but it's the same Greek, like, root. And they don't always use immediately. They use other words. But this is the intention that Mark is given. Immediately Jesus did this, immediately he did that, immediately he did this. Like Jesus is on the go. He's moving. He's not wasting time. He's actually getting stuff done. And that is what Mark is actually all about from the beginning and is what is Jesus doing. So Mark, as I mentioned before, is written to Gentile Christians in Rome. It actually is about Jesus the servant. Jesus actually serving people. That's what Mark shows us again and again and again. It's a fast-paced book, as I mentioned before. It shows Jesus as a man of action, power, and authority who serves people. Um, it records more miracles of Christ than any of the other Gospels. Mark is saying again and again and again, look, this is what Jesus did. He has to be the Messiah. Look, this is what Jesus did. He has to be the Messiah. Look at what Jesus did. Of course he is the Messiah. So all, more miracles are in Mark, even though it's the smallest book, more miracles of Jesus in Mark than any of the others. But it's also a book about discipleship. Mark is really saying, look at all the things that Jesus said and done. How can he not be the Messiah? How can you not follow him? And that is one of the purposes of Mark writing the book, is to prove that Jesus is who he says he is, that he is the Messiah, and his miracles and the things that he does proves it. Um, so how fantastic for us to be able to spend time looking at all the things that Jesus has done and hopefully we all come to even a greater understanding of who Jesus is and how much he did even just on earth and who we're actually following. Every book in the Bible has what people, scholars, consider to be a key verse. So the key verse when it comes to Mark is this one. For even the Son of Man 
did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And so we see that throughout the book of Mark. Jesus actually doing things for others. Jesus actually putting himself aside to actually serve, to actually heal, to actually teach. That we see Jesus actually being the servant. So the Gospel of Mark can be broken up into three main sections. Okay, The first section is from like Mark 1 to sort of the middle of 8, which is all about Jesus in Galilee and the surrounds. I think I mentioned before that the book of Mark doesn't actually start with the birth of Jesus. So if you're ever having to do anything about Christmas, don't look at Mark because you've got no wise men, you've got no birth, you've got none of that. You've got Jesus' ministry. Because in Mark's eyes, or in Peter's eyes, depending on how you look at it, what Jesus did and his ministry was much more important than how he actually got to that point. And so the question that is asked throughout these verses is, who actually is Jesus? And these are some of the things that we find out in those verses. We see Jesus being baptised. We see him being tempted. We see him calling people to follow him. Um, we see him healing. We do, he does miracles. He teaches and explains things. He sends out the 12 and he's questioned time again, sometimes by the disciples themselves, but a lot of the time by the Pharisees and the people around. And all of them are saying, who on earth is this guy? Like, what is he on about? The second part is about Jesus on his way to Jerusalem. So he's been doing miracles and things in, in Galilee and the surrounding areas, and now he's on his way to Jerusalem. Um, and the question that is asked here is, what does it mean for Jesus to be the Messiah? Because what we need to remember, when Jesus came to earth and said he was the Messiah, the people heard that and thought, you were going to rescue us from our Roman, um, the, people, the Rome who's conquered us. And so Mark is making a case to say, what kind of Messiah is this Jesus? What is he actually on about? And so Jesus talks a lot in this section about the fact that he's going to die and come back alive. So much so that the disciples don't get it, but they hear it a number of times. He teaches and explains a number of things. He does more healings. We have the transfiguration, which is where Jesus is on a mountain and Elijah and Moses come. And Peter's actually part of that story too. And then the very third section in Mark is about Jesus actually in Jerusalem. And so this is really Mark explaining how Jesus becomes the Messiah King. And this is where him entering, we have like Palm, what we call Palm Sunday. We have the Passover. He, he goes to the temple and cleans it out. The Passover is a wrong, I jumped ahead. But he does some teaching. He's anointed by um, Mary here. He answers a whole heap of questions. He prays. He gets arrested. Peter denies him. He's crucified and he comes back alive. And that's all happens in Jerusalem. And so you see, as the bishop told us earlier, that the book of Mark is not chronologically what Jesus what happened, but more relationally. What did Jesus do ministry-wise? Then what was happening when he was heading to Jerusalem? And his eyes are fixed. People would say that Jesus' eyes became fixed on the cross, and that's why he started talking about the Messiah has to die. I'm going to come back alive, all those kind of things. And then his time in Jerusalem is where, where Mark finishes his book. Okay, these are some pictures that were in the quiz. Let's see how well you remembered, and I actually have a prize for the person who can remember these. So 
Can anybody name anybody that's in this picture here? Okay, go for it, Nate. Nate, brilliant. Fantastic. Okay, what is this a picture of? Bron. Brilliant. I'm throwing you a prize that I'll give to you later. Okay, what is this event? Ruben. Fantastic. This top one, what is Daniel's superhero name? Dinosaur Ben. So, do you know what just happened? I've spent, I have no idea how long talking, and you saw some pictures and heard them explain, and now you know more about me than you did beforehand. And so now when Easter comes, you're all going to be like, where's the arena gift and why I've been training. Why can't I come and run around the Oval and try and be Daniel? How much more do you think we're going to know about Jesus after we've spent some time looking more in depth at the things in Mark? My hope and prayer, and I know all the navigators too, is that each one of us, even though they're stories that we've heard before, and I expect that most of the stories we look in Mark you've actually heard before, but hopefully as we revisit them, as we actually take time to get closer to Jesus, that that is going to actually benefit us because how can it not? The more that we know about Jesus, the easier he is to follow. And we all want to be followers of Jesus. We are all followers of Jesus, and we want to more and more be followers of him. This is what Paul writes in Philippians. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. And I hope that each one of us here, that is our desire, that we want to know our Lord more than anything. And so if you can make it to every one of these weeks, it will be brilliant. If you can't, technology is wonderful. And we have podcasts that get put up on our website pretty much on a Monday, if not on a Tuesday, that you can listen to it. And so next week we're going to be looking at Chapter 1. If you want to do something that would be really worthwhile between now and next week, read Chapter 1. Um, I know I'm going to suggest to our Activate group that we actually look at the chapters as we go, just to re because we're doing a chapter a week, you can't know everything in that chapter. But how fantastic at the end of 18 weeks if all of us can say, I know my Lord and Saviour so much better than I did beforehand because I actually took some time and some effort to spend some quality time in his word. And I think the book of Mark is going to give us that. 